Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Okay. <clears throat> here we go. I I asked in my mind, are you good? Are you evil? Which still gives me shivers as I think about it now. That is straight out of a horror movie. Suck it to me, baby. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. This is Bob Shoy, uh, with me as always, Adam Tiss. Hello. And Luke Beef. Hello. Here we go, boys. Um, it's the long-awaited... Here we go. <laughs> ...listener stories. Here we go. Here we go. Long-awaited listener stories. Everyone's been asking for this one. And you know what? I looked when the last time we did one was, and it was like April 2020, so it's been a good good time. Oh, I, I would have put money on it being... Um, Earlier than that. I yeah. thought it was a lot longer ago than that, but yeah, we did one April 2020. Yeah. I'd have easily gone like 2018. Yeah, same. Yeah, no, we've done a few. Um, I think we started... Um, I think we sort of got into the groove where we said we'd do one, like once a year we'd do one, but I thought we'd miss a year, but we haven't. We're squeaking it in. Just about six six months, six weeks, sorry, before the year finishes. Seven weeks. Shit, really? Six weeks? Yeah, well, ish, seven, seven-ish. So what I did is I went through the emails um, and sort of went through everything that people had sent that I'd starred as like a listener story since then. And there was even some from before that that we hadn't used. And then we had an influx last week because I, I did a call for them, like send some to me. And we've got shitloads. So there's no way we're going to get through all of them. We're just going to sort of go at them randomly i guess i'll just pick them out at random i saved them all to a word doc file and it is like the length of a dissertation so (laughs) we're gonna have to start a new series listener story series yeah just to get through all these because yeah i'm not joking when i say it's like something like twelve thousand words of listener stories in this word document i've got that's great that's really good i'll keep us going for a while so, yeah, if you've sent one, don't be disappointed if you don't hear it on this episode because there's no way we're going to get through them all. Um, and do keep them coming because now I know we've got an influx, we'll uh, probably prioritise one and do one early next year as well to get through this sort of backlog of them. Uh, but the other cool thing that happened is we had a listener called Joe who had emailed me and said, oh, I've got some strange experiences. I've encountered loads of odd things in my life. Um, I'd love to talk to you about them. And I couldn't really arrange to do like an interview type thing. But I said, you know, if you've got a way to record, 
please send them to me as an audio file. And she did. So um, she sent me an audio file with loads of different stories on. And I guess we'll play clips of it throughout this episode. Uh, you guys have listened to that, right? I've sent that to you in advance. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll sort of come back to that and sort of talk about those amongst ourselves when we play them on the episode. And I'll insert the audio for those. Uh, but Tis, didn't you say that you had some stories to tell from one of your friends? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that for the next one because uh, I want to record her actually telling them. She told me one oh, okay, of them. Okay, that's even better. Yeah, she told me one of them. She told me both of them. I can remember one of them, but they mm-hmm. were both unbelievable. I was just like, wow. Um, that's awesome I meant to record it the weekend mm. she was down but they're back down I think around New Year's or at least January so we'll have that to yeah awesome that would be much better if you can actually record with them and then um, yeah we can use that in the next one fuck yeah So something for the listeners to look forward to okay so shall we go ahead and play Joe's first story now then yeah yeah go for it um, and I'll just insert them in you guys have already heard them most of the stories happened when I was quite young. Um, when I say quite young, I mean in my teens. So I was about 13 to, to about 15 um, when I had a lot of experiences that happened to me. And one of the ones that really stands out to me is I was off ill from school. I must have been about 13 or 14. And I was led in bed and my bedroom door was open. My bedroom um, door opened at the top of the stairs in the house so that anyone coming up and down um, the stairs I'd be able to see. And this morning um, I saw my nan sort of go around down the landing and towards where the bathroom and, and the other bedroom was. And and I thought, oh, nan's here. I'll, I'll wait for her to, to come out. Um, I assumed she was going to the bathroom um, and then I'll speak to her. So I waited a while and, and she didn't come back out. So I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. So I got out of bed and I went down the landing um, and the bathroom door was open and she wasn't in there. So I opened the spare bedroom and she wasn't in there either. And I just thought, wow, there's no way she, she could have got past me without me seeing my bedroom door was open. Um, I just would have seen her. So at this point, I, I went down the stairs. Um, my mum was in the kitchen at the time. And and I spoke to her and I said, um, where's Nan gone? And she turned round to me and looked at me and, and just said, well, Nan's not been here today. And that really freaked me out. Um, and I can't remember what I did afterwards, but I'm pretty sure um, I asked mum to phone, to phone Nan to make sure she was okay. Um, but my Nan was okay. Um, she did come round um, that day because she usually did come round every day. Um, and she lived for many, many years afterwards, um, only died recently, um, back in 2020. So yeah, I, I have no idea what that was. I still don't have any explanation for it, but my nan walked past me down the landing, um, and she just wasn't there. So that, um, that first bit of recording from Joe was just where she's talking about when she saw her nan in the house and then it turns out she wasn't there. Hmm. Um, which is interesting because I've, I've had spoke to a family member once. Um, my grandma said that that happened to her. She saw like her mother or her grandmother it walking around the house one time when she wasn't actually there. Um, and it was very similar to the, the stories she had told me a few years ago. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the first two of Joe's up front because I think the second one is really meaty. 
and it's the yeah. one. Um, well, it's about a Ouija the, board. The Ouija board one, yeah. Yeah, that I think that's the meatiest one. So I'll play that now, and then we'll you talk think that's about the meatiest that. one? Yeah. What do you think's the meatiest one, then, Tess? Um. Oh fuck! I've forgotten the name now. The name of the um. Ferdy Man. Pre- yes. Ferdy oh, okay. Man. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I, I like having had a young kid. That to me is just a that's kid. Yeah, she even just, said that. Like, obviously, I've edited it down. So, like, yeah. some of the stuff she was saying, she was like, kind of like, oh, these aren't as interesting. Nah. Like, think of them what you will. Sometimes nah. kids say stuff. That is gold. That is gold. Thirty. To, well, we'll to talk a about thirty man later for now. Enthusiast. For now, we'll talk about this Ouija board thing because I like the Ouija board one because I've done Ouija boards and we've talked about it a lot. And I know you guys are a bit like yeah. iffy about the Ouija board stuff. Yeah. Another one, and this, this is very creepy, and it is my own fault because I I did use a Ouija board, and um and I just would not recommend using a Ouija board to anyone. It was terrifying. I was fifteen at this time, so I was I was older than the, the episode with my nan. So yeah, I was fifteen, and a group of friends um and I decided to do some Ouija boards. And I did this around friends' houses, um, you know, mixed results. And I, and I wasn't quite believing. And I just thought someone else is pushing, you know, this glass around. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't trust what was going on. And I told my mum what happened. Um, and, and again, I don't know why I did this. And I asked her, would you like to do one with me? And my mum said yes. So we did. So I set up the board and I did what I thought was right. I had some dried rosemary, which is supposed to be for protection, which I scattered around. And we started asking questions. And then I decided, um, well, actually, I'm going to ask a question and say it in my head. So, you know, so my mum doesn't know because it was moving. And I thought, yeah, I'm still not convinced on this. Um, And for some God only no reason. I I asked in my mind, "Are you good?" Um, and it took us to no, which really freaked me out. And then I asked again in my mind, "Are you evil?" And it took us to yes. Um, and at this point, not wanting to freak my mum out, um, I just said, to her, "I've had enough. Um, I don't want to do this anymore." Um, Let's just call it a night. And my Ouija board was basically a scrap of paper and a bit of plastic on top. It wasn't even a real Ouija board. Um, so I tore up the bit of paper and flushed it down the toilet. And I was very, very freaked out by this. And I was on my way down the stairs and I passed my brother's room. And as I passed the door, um, he wasn't in there. Um, one of his toys just went off by itself and just started um, making toy noises, you know, those horrible, really loud um, children's toys. Um, you know, it could have been a telephone or a truck or something, I can't remember. Um, and that really, really freaked me out. Um, and I went downstairs, and I didn't want to go back upstairs. Um, so when I did finally go back upstairs, I wanted um, my cat to come with me, because I felt very unsafe. And my cat did not want to come upstairs. I picked her up and we got to the top of the stairs and she started 
hissing and trying to get out of my my arms and I tried to hold on to her but she really scratched me and I had to let her go and it's safe to say that I did not sleep with the light out um, for the next week or so um, that was very very scary and um, I would never ever do do one of those boards again so yeah that's that's two things that have happened um, you know which the, f- the first one with my nan was unexplaining creepy but but not as terrifying as the Ouija board one, which which still gives me shivers as I think about it now. Um, so what did you think to the Ouija board story? Uh, well, I, I wrote some notes as we were listening to the stories. Oh, great. And uh, uh, <laughs> I put two notes for this one. One, uh, what what would you expect, really? I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it just took me right back to um, to when, yeah, when we when we looked at Ouija board years ago, uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really um, surprise me at all. Um, but it sounds horrible. It sounds like it was a really horrible experience. Yeah, um, I love that, Joe. You, I love that you took your cat. She took her cat upstairs with her. Yeah, uh, and the cat. So I put poor cat's been dragged into this mess as well. <laughs> Just uh, yeah. It's, but uh, no, weird, freaky, and um, yeah, I think even Joe said at one point that she like she knew it wasn't like a good idea, or it felt like like looking back, she realizes it wasn't like the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just could never, for this reason, I could never bring myself to do a Ouija board because I couldn't cope with that sort of stuff. Well, the question she was asking is like you're asking for trouble. When you say yeah, exactly. good, are you evil? Like that's like that's like evil? lines from a yes. horror film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is straight out of a horror movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing story. Yeah. But that that one, you that one didn't freak you out too much than Tuss. Um, yeah, that that one was kind of freaky. When they said, "Are you good?" I thought it was like sort of like, oh, "Are you good?" Like. Oh, right. <laughs> and then and they said are you evil and it was like yes it was just like oh shit wait are you good are you with good intentions sorry i just love that for a minute your mind took you to the fact that joe might be genuinely concerned for the well-being of a demon yeah you or good? a spirit are you good are you good man and then i just asked sup uh, <laughs> sup yeah sup mate how's it going i'd be like that I feel like, yo, what's up? How's, what's what's hanging? How's it hanging? So it hasn't convinced you boys to do a, a Ouija board when we're next together for the pod? Absolutely not. No. No. Okay. No. Do, do, do you want to? Would you do I mean, it again? I, I've already done it. I've already done it. I, I have my own thoughts about what Ouija boards is. I think they are like a... It's like um, automatic writing is what I talked about on the episode. I still sort of prescribe to that idea where it's... The same thing, but then some people would say that automatic writing has some demonic entities behind it as well. So mm. you know, people can think what they want, but for me, I just thought it was an interesting um, experiment in sort of our subconscious. Um, you keep thinking it, mate. But it makes some cool stories. It, I do like Ouija board stories. Um, so right, I guess what I've done is I can't remember what I've scanned through a lot of these stories just to get the gist of what they're about, and then I've written like a keyword so that I can pull them up easily and I can do a control F on my Word yeah. document to find them. Makes sense. Um, 
So, um, do you want to start? I'll just pick three at random. Do you want um, haunted houses, sleep paralysis, or out of body experience? Sleep paralysis. Right. Here we go. So this is a story from um, Forrest Leven, who sent this a while ago. Um, I think this was on the email. I think most of these are from the email. Right. Who wants to go first with reading one of these stories? Beefy game? Yeah, send it my way. Right. Okay. You did choose the sleep paralysis one so far. I'll send it to you. Okay. They're, they're, these are quite meaty, by the way. There's a lot of long stories. So um, if you need to <laughs> take a breather. No, that's fine. Okay, here we go. Oh, and by the way, listeners, on this episode, I may have like edited down some of your stories or just moved things around a little bit just to make it easier for us to um, to go through some of them and, you know, made them streamlined. <laughs> so do I... There's no name for this. Do I just read? Just um, The name was... Uh, this is uh, Forrest Leven. Oh, sorry. Sorry, you yeah. did say, yeah. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. When I was a very young kid, I would have pretty frequent bouts of what I now know was sleep paralysis. I know they say that the paralysis itself can often cause hallucinations, but just like a lot of mental diagnoses, I feel it's a convenient way to dismiss things that don't fit the common narrative. This started happening a few years ago, after we moved into the house that my dad inherited from my great-grandparents. I was three years old and my great-grandma Thelma passed away, so I don't really remember much of her. At first I would wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of silverware being shifted around in the kitchen, cupboards opening and shutting, floors creaking. My parents of course gave me the old it's the house settling bit when I would tell them about it. After probably a year of this I started to see a man standing in the doorway of my room when I'd wake up at night. In these instances the house would be silent and he would just stand there watching me. This led me to believe it was him making the noises in the kitchen. Midnight snack, perhaps? It wasn't really scary or spooky or anything. He was just an old man. He'd be wearing a sweater over bib overalls and an old-fashioned felt hat. This, too, was brushed off by my parents. Around this time is when the sleep paralysis kicked in. I wouldn't always see the man in conjunction with this, but often I would. I can very vividly recall a loud whooshing sound, like being on the beach on a windy day, and feeling like I was being lifted off my bed. It was terrifying. This went on for a few years, until I was maybe seven or eight years old, at which point my mum started taking it a little more seriously. She'd do smudging with white sage, yell at whatever it was to leave, etc. Eventually the sleep paralysis stopped, but I would still hear the, the kitchen sounds and see the man in my room from time to time. Some years later, we were at my grandparents' house for the holidays, looking through old photographs with my grandma. We were just flipping through the pages and listening to her stories that went with the different pictures of old family vacations and distant relatives. And then she turned to a page that made my stomach drop. There was a picture of exactly the man I had been seeing. Like, exactly. Same clothes, the hat, everything, down to the smallest details. I asked my grandma who it was, and she said, Well, that's my dad, your great-grandpa Chris. he lived in my house for a short time before he died in the mid-70s, some 20-plus years before I was born. Before moving out to California in his old age, he was a farmer in upstate New York, hence the way he was dressed. 
in a way that kind of relieved any fear I had of seeing him. I don't know if the sleep paralysis was related or just a reaction or maybe some being caused it and he was there to protect me. Who knows? Hmm. <sighs> I like that one. That's a good one. Tiss, you look... Um, Tiss looks ill. That's a really good one. It is, isn't it? Oh, my God. I didn't like it. I liked I it. I didn't like it until the end when it did, like uh, like Forrest said, it made me feel relieved. Like, oh, it's okay. It's a geezer that she knew. It's fine. But to me, that was like... That was what made it creepier because before that, I'm like, this has a rational explanation. Maybe it's like hallucinations, sleep paralysis stuff. But then when it turns out like, oh, this is someone who actually really existed. I was like, oh, God, that's like cementing it as being something else. That's creepier to me. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But yeah, yeah I, I guess know. that's I guess that that could be an element of faith as to why that's creepy. Like that's creepier to me because I'm like, oh god, it's like cementing something that's against what I believe. But then for you, maybe it would be you find that more comforting because you're like, yeah, like a, an afterlife or something, you know. I guess so. Also, spirit watching over you, in a way. I guess so. At least, at least you know that what's watching over you is something familiar. Yeah. Not just some... I mean, either way, it is horrific. Yeah, it's uh, creepy. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'd need some counselling after that. It's just horrible. Hmm. Sorry. What is it? Oh. <laughs> Swishing oh, my he's mouth got out. T- oh, it's so, your salt water. Yeah. Oh, mate. So Tiss has got toothache. So um, how is your mouth for, for reading and speaking, Tiss? Yeah, it's not too bad. All right. Um, I'll try and not give you super, super long ones. I'll try and vet them before we pick them. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, that wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. No. Well, it had a good flow. So, Forrest, bit of an author. Um, yeah, it was nice. Easy to read. Well, Tis, do you want to do the next one? Yeah, yeah, I'll do the next one. Okay, let me have a look. Um, this is probably slightly shorter, but maybe a similar length to the one that um, Beef just did. So this is the OBE one, out-of-body experience. This is from uh, Jardin. You ready? Yeah, it is, whenever you're ready, man. Sweet. So, in 1958, I was eight years old. I had been attending a Catholic school for two years. I was from a very stable family, one older sister, one younger brother, never any problems, and somewhat sheltered. It was a Sunday, and we were attending a high mass in a a small neighborhood church. High mass meant candles, incense, choir singing, and the priest dressed in fancy vestments. All the kids my age, boys and girls, were sitting in front of two pews. Uh, We were all kneeling with our heads bowed in prayer. Actually, most of us were just thinking of whatever, (laughs) as eight-year-olds do. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do that beef, or did you pray along? (laughs) Hell no. No, no, we just did whatever... Yeah, it was pretty boring. <laughs> Blasphemy! <laughs> I used to... I, I remember... Yeah, anyway, I won't tell you that. No, it was just boring. <laughs> uh, I opened my eyes and realised that I was looking down on the congregation from the ceiling. I wasn't aware of my body, but I was simply an awareness enjoying the experience. I also remember thinking that I could uh, look all around me at the same time without having to turn my head in any one direction. I found that I could move across the church while remaining 
close to the ceiling. Uh, I was enjoying getting different perspectives of the church. I remember I wasn't frightened in any way. I wasn't even surprised, but simply curious about my situation. For several minutes, I willed my awareness to different parts of the church, exploring statues, candles, and being aware of the dust on the ceiling. I moved towards the choir loft uh, and could see the choir singing. I was having fun as I explored different things for several minutes. For some reason, I opened my eyes and found I was still kneeling in the pew where I'd started off. This was 1958, in a small Hispanic community where people simply didn't talk about OBEs. At eight years old, I had never heard of an out-of-body experience or astral travelling. The experience has always been a fun thing to think about, especially knowing that it had happened to me long before I had ever heard of such an experience. It happened one other time when I was 15 or 16 years old. I was lying in bed. It was a cold winter morning. Um, I needed to get up to go to the restroom. Uh, I hesitated for a long time, but suddenly sat up. And it was then that I realised that my body was still behind me, laying down. I held that position for several seconds, looking around the room. I shocked myself when I quickly laid back and popped back into my body. Even at 15 years old, I don't remember ever hearing anybody speak about astral projection or OBEs in any related subject. All my young life, I considered that these experiences were something that just happened every now and then. People simply never bothered to talk about it because it simply meant nothing. Uh, There wasn't anything fantastical about it. It was just simply something that happened. I often wonder how many other children have experienced an OBE and simply didn't talk about it because they weren't allowed to or because they were thought nothing of the experience. Hmm. Weird. It's not really something we've spoke about a lot on the show. We talked about near-death experiences and there were some similar things on that episode, but just this coming out of your body and looking around as like your consciousness being separated. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um, like it's not. It's just not at all tangible, is it? So it's it's not it's just something hard. that's ever happened to me. It's just really hard to get your head around. So I suppose it's harder to understand. Like that must be frustrating to have it happen to you and not really be able to articulate it or like kind of like share it with anyone. I don't know. In a way, I can kind of imagine it though. The way he describes it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could imagine that. In a way, which he's like, I wonder if this happens to lots of kids and they just sort of like forget about it because it's just like not spoken about. And I'm like, maybe that happened to me. Like, maybe the way he described it gave me such a feeling of like familiarity. Like, oh, I yeah. know what that's like, but then I can yeah, actually yeah. remember an experience of it. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So I'm yeah, exactly. So I'm just wondering, it's like, have I had it? And I didn't really think anything of it. Mm. Because it wasn't very distinct or... And then you get older and you forget because you, when you're younger, maybe you just think it's normal. I don't know. Funny. Tess, what are your thoughts? No, I can definitely agree with that. When, um, when they were talking about the out-of-body experiences, I can't honestly say I've consciously had one. But when mm. they touched upon that thing of like when you're a kid and weird things happen and you don't necessarily question them because everything in the world is so new that if you were to question every new thing you'd be just standing there questioning shit when you're a kid obviously yeah when you get to our age you question shit because novel things are a lot rarer but uh 
Yeah, I can definitely imagine. As a kid, if you don't see it as significant, and if people around you are actively trying to get you to stop talking about it, then you probably will just put it out of your mind. And there's so much stuff that's happening all the time that's new that some stuff is just going to fall by the wayside and you forget about it. Mm. If it's not something that's brought up a lot. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Interesting. We got some really good ones. Um, so I guess I'll go next. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just, I'm just taking the next one down on my uh, document. Suck it to me, so baby. This is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a buzz on it because I didn't take my thing out. <laughs> <laughs> Total whiplash. Um, so this is from uh, Samantha Seder from Texas. USA. Oh, I like it when you tell me where you're from as well. So um, some of these, some sometimes I put the place where this being sent from. It's nice to know where in the world people are listening from. So mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and Samantha's definitely contacted us before I recognise the name. So uh, this is from her in Texas. Okay. When I was four years old, we moved from the coast of Texas to a home on the edge of the Palo Duro Canyon. It was pretty normal aside from the scorpions and flying ants. I remember waking up from a nap and looking to try and find my parents. I heard voices coming from the garage, so I went to the screen door and looked through, but the garage was empty. I turned around and saw that my parents were in the backyard. Later that year, it was Christmas time in the same house. My mother was reading me a bedtime story. I'll try to paint a picture for you. My bed was in the corner of the room with two walls touching my bed. My mum was sitting at the edge of the bed and basically blocking the view of most of the room. We heard what sounded like a cat purring. We also have a cat, so that's normal, right? Not that night. I looked at my mum and asked her, what's making that noise? She responded, oh, that's just Misty, our cat. I then responded that Misty was at the vet. My mum's eyes kind of widened and she turned to look at the source of the noise. And when she did, she allowed me to see the room. In the corner of the room is where I kept my stuffed animal toys. Do you remember the stuffed animal cats that had ball bearings inside when you shook them it sounded like there was purring guys do you remember those no nope i actually have a visual aid for you here that she sent along with this yeah i wonder if it was like a american toy it looked like that oh i might have, oh, I might I have seen those kind before of. Yeah, yeah kind of i feel like i might have seen it yep um Well, mine was floating in the air and shaking, almost dancing. It was moving enough to get the rattles slash bearings inside to make a noise. So my mum grabs me and we start to head downstairs and we hear my dad yell. We make it far enough down the stairs to see the wrapping paper shoot across the room. Needless to say, we packed a bag and stayed in a hotel. We moved out shortly after that night. Occasionally, we would travel back to the coast to stay at our old house. We were renting it to people for vacations. We had gone back for Christmas break and I was sleeping in my old room and I woke up and looked out of my bedroom door and saw what looked like my mum standing there. I spoke to her and told her good morning and she just kept staring at me, silent. I thought it was weird so I turned to put on my glasses from the night table and when I looked back she was still standing there but she was glaring at me. She had such a mean look on her face I couldn't imagine what I'd done wrong. Then I saw my mum walk behind whatever was in my doorway with the laundry basket and the thing just disappeared. Then I moved to Snyder, Texas. My then boyfriend, now husband, had bought the house. I began to hear strange noises at night 
I had an incident of what was probably some mix of a night terror and sleep paralysis. I opened my eyes to see the shadow of a man standing over my bed. I began to scream and thrash, and I managed to make it over to turn my lamp on, and the room was empty except for my dog, who looked very confused. So after that, I decided to play it safe, and I went around the house with burning sage and prayed to every god that I could think of to try and clear the house. Things were quiet for a while. Then one night, Ryan was gone again, working, and I heard what sounded like someone beating two blocks of wood together coming from my kitchen and dining room. I thought maybe Ryan had gotten home and was being noisy. I walked out there and Ryan was just pulling into the drive and the noise stopped. So having had just about as much fun as I could stand, I decided to go with another tradition I'd heard about, ringing a bell and doing a Tibetan chant. It's actually a ritual that is used to dispel evil. So I went around the house looking like a loon, chanting and ringing this bell. Well, ever since that, the house has been quiet as a mouse. Shit. That's horrible. Yeah. Juicy. Yeah, I don't like that. But that's the Texas house. That's not the the original house. Yeah, the second one was the new one. There was there was um, there's two houses in play there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, spooky. Really spooky. Um. Yeah. It, it, you know what? It felt like there was sudden, like such a sudden whiplash in that story. Like when we were talking about the cat, and then literally I was like, right. Anyway, back to the story. Then <laughs> things started floating around. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. It really yeah, escalated. Prepared. It escalated quickly. For the escalation. <laughs> I mean. Wow, yeah, it's. I think I would move quite quickly uh, if if that happened. Yeah, I but. really don't know how I'd react with my scepticism. Like, there's something to seeing something like that where I'd have to be like, well, no, there's something going on here. Like, I walk into my lounge and something's floating around. Um, that's a bit spooky, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think even you and your scepticism, you'd have to believe if you saw something like that. I would be terrified. Yeah, exactly. I'd be terrified. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it wasn't really the cat. It was just, it, sound, it sounded so sinister. Mm. Uh, yeah, don't know. I wouldn't like that. That was nuts, though. The fact that she's been followed round by ghosts to different houses. Yeah, well... There's thus the question is, is it the same or a different one? Well, different. Hmm. Yeah, is it the same one following or is it two different houses? With no, two different same, same one. You okay, it's the same one? Ooh. Same, yeah, same Beef spirit, is yeah. very sure it's the same one. <laughs> Why? Just, just, I don't know. Just seems like it. If we have heard Ghost that come up a lot, though, where someone moves, they go from one house to another and then both houses they've had weird stuff happen. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. Um, Tibetan chanting, though, guys, that's the way. I wish I knew some Tibetan chants, but I don't know. Apparently the sage didn't cut it. The sage was only like a temporary measure. Sage and pray. Yeah, she tried the classic. She must have learned it from Weird Tales, the classic sage and pray method, but it was just um, yeah, just a plaster over the injury before she got the proper Tibetan chanting going. Well, I would just revert to the pray and pray. <laughs> Stick to what you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know any sage. That's my sage advice, anyway. Oh dear, oh dear. Right, should we um, should we cut back to Joe and play another clip from our recording? Mm. Yeah, okay. let's. So um, the one I'm going to play here, it's the one with the. She's at the retreat. I don't know what you guys thought of that one. Yeah, I think the next two probably. Uh, yeah, 
are more just interesting. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah. Shall I play both? And then we'll talk about the third and fourth clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's play the third and fourth clips now then. Another one happened, and and I find this one quite funny. Um, I was on um, retreat in Wales, and I went there for for about five years in total. And but this is the first one that I went to, and it's an old farmhouse uh, up in um, the Priscelli Hills, um, which and it opened up onto the moor with the stone circle, and and we were coming up to um, to autumn equinox. And I only knew the lady that was running this. I didn't know anyone else, anyone else here. And we all got on really well um, upon meeting. And the first night there, I was sharing um, a room with one of the other one, one of the other participants on the retreat, and we were having a lot of fun. And you know, it was quite magical up there. So I, I you know, we did talk about fairies and things. And um, and anyway. Um, we'd all settled down for the night after after having a laugh, and I could hear this noise out, outside on the landing, and it was it was a wooden landing, so um, wooden floorboards, and it sounded like footsteps. And I thought, yeah, this is a little bit odd, um, but you know, not really paying much attention, um, just thinking, it, you know, it just could be anything. It's, it's a new house. I don't know the sound of the house, but yeah, it was really strange. And anyway, um, I'm a very heavy sleeper, and and I got woken up in the middle of the night by um, by the others going Joe, 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 and and I'm like, well, what is it? And they're like, there's a fucking ghost here, um, and we're all really scared. And um, actually, all the other the the other three ladies, um, including the one that was I was sharing a room with, were they they were all in in the big bedroom. Um, and, and I just remember saying to them, it's just the pixies, um, go back to sleep. Um, and in the morning, um, I found out what, what actually happened was that the lady who was, um, sleeping to the left of us in a room by herself, um, said that throughout the night, she just heard the, these footsteps going up and down the landing and it's only a small landing, um, and then the, her door started to open at which point, uh, she apparently she um, jumped out of bed saying fuck this shit and ran down <laughs> the landing um, into the other bedroom where her friend was staying because um, th- those two ladies came together at which point the, the lady who was sharing the room with me um, heard all this so she'd gone to investigate and was in there too and the lady who who you know, shouted and ran down down the landing. She goes, oh, you know, she said, I was just terrified, absolutely terrified. I could just hear these footsteps outside the door and then they tried my door. But I, I don't know why. I just didn't feel it was like a, a ghostly presence. And maybe, you know, maybe it was just because we were out on the moors and it was all feeling very magical that, that I just felt it was it was pixies. And, and we had been talking about, you know, sort of like the fairy spirits um, that evening. Um and I'm pretty sure they were trying to to get our attention, um, but in the morning after we discussed all this, um, you know, we we did say, you know, you really scared us, and um, and the lady running the, the retreat there um, said that she'd been there before and no one had ever ever you know sort of like complained about these footsteps um, 
you know, sort of like upstairs um, in the house. And and I, again, I went there sort of like for another four or five years afterwards, and it never happened again. But yeah, I I, I still I still believe it was some sort of um, fairy influence there rather than ghostly. So after I split up from my husband, I ended up moving in with my parents. Um, but there wasn't enough room there because my, my brother was older and his girlfriend had moved in. Um, so we actually all rented um, a big house together, um, which it wasn't an old house. Um, it was it was a vicarage, although it had been built in the 70s. Um, but the, the grounds it was on, there was um, in, in the corner of the garden, there were remnants of another building. But I had a really, really big, big room, um, which I used to use as my bedroom and, and it was also my lounge area. Anyway, um, I meditate a lot and this one time I was meditating and um, I played I played music through um, my laptop, which I plugged into um, my surround sound system um, rather than just using the, the shitty laptop speakers. And I sat there meditating and, um, and the music just went silent. And I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. Um, so I went over to the laptop and the HDMI lead was, was out. It was, it had been unplugged. And I thought, oh, that's really strange. Um, but I thought, well, maybe there was some tension on, on the lead and, and it sprung out. Um, so I didn't really think anything more of it. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, um, it happened again. And I was feeling a little bit nervous at this point, um, thinking, you know, you know, to happen twice is a bit unusual. But I went over to my laptop and the cable just wasn't, it was, wasn't just unplugged. The cable lead was underneath my laptop. Um, and there was no way it could have got there without physically being moved there. Um, and this really did freak me out. I remember grabbing my phone, running um, out of the room, out of the house and into the garden where um, I phoned one of my friends up to say what happened because I was so freaked out. Yeah, quite a few other strange things happened in that house. And I remember my girls saying, both saying that they felt quite uneasy in one of the bedrooms. Um, and some other things did happen, but but I can't say whether or not they were paranormal um, you know, things happen, things move, um, noises, that sort of thing. Oh, apart from apart from the light bulb, which you know, again, there could be an explanation, but it's it's definitely a little bit odd. Um, so again, the same room, the the big room that was my bedroom and my lounge. Um, so I was there, and it was night time. I was doing yoga. Um, I didn't have the main light on; I had a side light on, and I was there doing yoga, led on my back, looking up at the ceiling. Um, and my light bulb just fell down onto the floor. And it didn't break, it didn't shatter. Um, it fell onto wood floor. Um, it was completely usable. <laughs> but it really freaked me out again. Um, and I thought, well, actually the light bulb was in there when I moved in. And I think I'd been in the property about three or four years by this point. Um, and it was the, the, the bayonet type ones, not the screwing ones. Yeah, so... That was pretty odd as well. I can't remember if that happened before or after the laptop incident, um, but it was still a bit freaky. So there we go. Um, thanks again, Joe. We've got a few more of these clips from Joe. So this, um, first of all, the retreat, um, footsteps around. Yeah. 
I mean, it, I, it, I think what's freaky is it's not a familiar place. Or it, I know it would, I think, um, you know, Joe said she went there multiple times. Mm. And it, yeah, um, this is the only time it had happened which made it weird to her. Yeah. You know what I think what makes it creepy when you're a kid is when an adult is freaked out. Yes. So the fact yeah. that one of the adults got freaked out by the footsteps is, to me, what would have... If I was a kid, that would have creeped me out and it would have made the memory bigger in my mind. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Because it's just, it's just scary when adults freak out when you're a kid because you just think, oh, adults know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's like looking to a flight attendant and if they look okay, then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so that was freaky, yeah. But, yeah, um, footsteps could have been anything, ghost, the wind, whatever. Or, um, I, But what struck me about it was the um, strange idea that it might have been like pixies and fairies, something we've never really talked about. But there is like no. a strong belief in those aspects. Yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe expresses the um, thought that it could be fairies. It, that would never cross my mind, so that's interesting. No. But it is something that some listeners have messaged me, like, you should do an episode about this, there's more to it than you think. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's something we should look Mm. into at some point. What, fairies? Yeah, absolutely. Fairies and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the the second clip we played there was um, her in in a a strange house that she felt uncomfortable in with the cables uh, unplugging from the laptop and the light bulb falling and just strange events. Nothing big, but just a few odd things. Yes. Yeah, some some things I suppose that you could explain away as just as like a strange incident. Um mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I suppose uh yeah, the thing about the cable being unplugged and then tucked underneath her laptop. Mm. That's that was that was a bit strange. Um cuz you'd like if it was just unplugged and on the floor then you'd probably still be like oh it just fell out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, kind of tucked up like that is a, a little bit strange. So, uh, what I've got here is, um, so long time listener Mahir, he's messaged us a few times, um, from India. He sent me, um, sort of a couple of emails and, uh, in between them, there's a few stories. So I thought we could go through some of his stories cause these have been on the back burner for a long time. Um, and they're quite varied. Yeah, sounds good. So let me get those up. Tiss, how's your mouth holding out? Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, you've your your whole um you've it's changed a lot. Like you you were really chirpy about half an hour ago. And you can tell I know it's yeah. changed. Just uh Yeah. And then you need to medicate again. I yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah two fake is just not it's not. the worst isn't it it's just the absolute worst I tell you what Tiss Mahir's sent us four experiences Sweet. and what I'll do is we'll give you a break and me and Beef will take turns and do two each of the Mahir's and then we'll see how you're feeling thanks guys but by then we might be near the end of the episode anyway um, so I'll let you go first then Beef um, okay seeing as i just gone and yep. so Mihir's got four stories here. He's got experience from Warwick Castle. Uh, he's got some experiences from his college, um, an experience in an Indian bungalow, and then experience involving his mum. So I guess we'll just take turns in reading these. Yep. Uh, Sounds this good to me. This is the first one. 
Yeah, just bang them across. Uh, Mahir messages quite a lot, and I'm always interested in where he actually lives because sometimes it sounds like he's in America and sometimes it sounds like he's in India. And then according to these stories, he's also spent time in the UK. Yeah. So, like, Mahir, you're a real jet setter. <laughs> it's almost like um, I remember being in Japan and going, like, onto a US naval base and mm. it felt like from one minute it's very, very clear that you're in Japan and then you go onto the naval base you're like, oh, no, this is... I'm in America. It felt felt really jarring. So I wonder whether it's a bit like that. Like, is it? I don't know. Does he work somewhere where? Um, yeah, that's. I don't know. It's just. He gets strange. about. Well, you'll find out where he uh, went to university in this first story, beef. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is from Mahir. I post graduated from the University of Manchester in 2013 and had gone to visit a friend who studied at Coventry in the same year. He told me that I should visit Warwick Castle, which was quite close by, and I did. I had taken quite an extensive tour of the castle, and it was later that I learnt that it had dungeons as well. Yeah. Rachel Rachel knows the dungeons well. She does she used to do trips. I've never been to Warwick Castle. Have you not? It's good. No. It is good. Maybe I should check it out. And um, we we don't do the dungeons though. I've never uh hang on a minute. I think there's a bit of the dungeons you can do and then there's like if you do some more. They have like the actors jumping out. Right, who's behind me? I think yeah, she's nodding. The real dungeons. The real dungeons. I think and this is involving the, the real dungeons. Then there's the fake dungeons. And then there's the fake dungeons. Yeah. Like, Maybe yeah, he okay. didn't realise it was the fake dungeons, and he was like, and then know. something jumped out at me. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> 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 this guy with a chainsaw just jumped out <laughs> and started chasing us around. Um. I'm quite fascinated with medieval dungeons, torture methods and such things, so I decided to have a look. I'm sure you guys must have visited Warwick Castle and been to the dungeons which are underground. No. I went down the stairs into the dungeon and noticed it was quite poorly lit. There was nobody in there as well, which added to the spookiness. From the minute I descended into the place, I felt an eerie feeling that I was being watched. There were many torture apparatus around the place, and there was a small hole in the corner of the room, which was called... Oubliette. Oubliette. I think. I. I. Sorry. Oubliette. I recognise the word. I can't remember. I don't. I don't from. know what that. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I think I remember reading a, a plaque which said that convicts were stuffed into this hole and left to die. Lovely. Nice. Um, this hole, if I get my dimensioning right, wouldn't have been more than one by one foot. I peered over the grill which covered the hole, and as I did so, I felt a tickle on the back of my neck, and this was not the hair standing on the back of one's neck. It was a cold finger that was rubbing the back of my neck from top to bottom. I did what most people (laughs) would do, got the hell out of there without looking back. When I took my mum there during her trip from my graduation ceremony, I told her that I was not going back down into the dungeons. She went down there by herself, and came back without any weird things happening to her. Maybe it was just my imagination. A little while later, we took an official ghost tour of the castle, which was just the dude narrating stuff to us tourists about reported paranormal activity in the castle. When we got to the dungeon, he asked us to come down again, at which time I refused and narrated the story that happened earlier. He just nodded <laughs> He just nodded in agreement and said, you're not the only one who reported this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a con so he's, they're having him on I reckon <laughs> well you think some actor's creeping up behind him and stroking yeah, the back of his neck <laughs> I don't know I've only been to Warwick Castle once and 
uh, Rachel took me down into the dungeons where they do have. They it's not like um it's not like London dungeons with all the actors, but there is a bit like that. But you had right. to pay more to do it. It was like an extra fifteen quid to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as bad as London dungeons. It's aimed at ten year olds. Did you hear that? No. Uh, Rachel says it's not as bad as London Dungeons. Apparently, it's aimed at ten-year-olds. Oh right, okay. I went to Amsterdam Dungeons, which is the same as London, basically. But I was, yeah, we went. I was didn't really, we? Uh, yeah. I, well, I've been twice actually. The first time I was off my fucking trolley. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, exactly. Fucking a morning of like zooting, and then I went to the dungeons, and I was off my fucking head. But I do, I do remember. Um, so when Rachel and I went. The guy who was the actor slash tour operator, yeah, like belted it up the stairs ahead of me and Rachel, and we were at the front of the group of people going around, <laughs> and um, we were like, "He's clearly going to like jump out as soon as we get there," oh, and he right. did, but it still made me jump. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just stop not making someone jump, even if you know it's coming. It still makes you jump." I like, got yeah. It's like, well, yeah, it's an involuntary response. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, but I've never, I can't imagine being there on my own. So, mm, mm. um, so maybe if it were, I think if I was there on my own, it would be quite scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you say, when you're down there, your imagination probably, especially on your own, your imagination might play up. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that sounds pretty weird. I wouldn't, maybe it was an actor like wiping his finger <laughs> down the back of his neck. <laughs> I don't know. Those lit- that little dungeon. Oh, sorry. What? He where he's talking about is the little dungeon. It's not where the actors are. I don't. Yeah, I know. I don't remember <laughs> it as well as you do though, because I've only been once. So you go down. You know where the. And then they take you to the operating table. No, no, no not there. No. Take that out of your head. Okay. You know where the actors <laughs> bit is. Yeah. To the right, there's those little stairs that go down. Oh yeah. All by themselves. Yeah. A I'm leaving this in. Room. <laughs> right. Yeah. That- that's the real dungeons. Okay, <laughs> and that's not where the actor takes you. No, there's no actors in there. Oh, Rachel's just made it creepier. <laughs> Tis, have you ever been to Warwick Castle? I haven't. Oh no, maybe we're tail strip there, maybe. Don't sigh at me. She's now sighing at me and laughing because she thinks I'm an idiot. But she's been there about fifteen <laughs> times with like a hundred kids. So she's got, on you, she's Rachel. Got one up on you. You've been loads of times. Rachel right. is well versed in the inner workings of Warwick Castle, <laughs> and we can now she confirm well that there are absolutely no actors, and that this is a creepy story. <laughs> in the bit that Mahir went to, which makes it makes it creepier. Okay, so Mahir's got another story here. This is um, some stories from his college days. So uh, jet setting again, back in India now for this one. He says. Uh, we used to often go to my cousin's place in a city called Pune, uh, which is in Western India. My uncle and uh, was the principal of a college there and he used to stay in the principal's quarters, which was essentially an old house built uh, probably when the college was built in the 1930s. There were four houses within the building, two on the ground floor and two on the first. Although we never experienced anything in the house, there were quite a few stories happening around about the college, a few of which I would like to narrate. So there's uh, three small college stories, basically, from this building. So the first one. Uh, My cousin had a German shepherd, Robin. He was quite big in size and very aggressive about other dogs, but generally pretty friendly among humans. We used to take him out for walks quite often in the mornings, around dawn. 
Uh, one morning, my uncle and I had taken him for his business. <laughs> that expression, like the dog's got a suitcase. We've <laughs> 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 got a busy day. <laughs> I just haven't heard the expression doing his business for a long time, and it's very funny. A dog, like, walking with a suitcase and don't take a shit. <laughs> it's full of, like, dog, <laughs> full of doggy bags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had a nightmare. <laughs> it's been a really busy day. Uh, anyway, um, where was I? The doing his business. It, it was around five a.m. and still quite dark. Uh, and we had been walking around the campus and happened to come across the bust of the late founder of the college. It was rumored that the founder's ghost would roam around the college corridors long after he died. We approached the garden in which the founder's bust was located and started approaching, approaching it, <laughs> enabling Robin, Robin to do his morning business. Got <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> his typewriter out. Um, <laughs> I can't really. I've got the giggles now. I'm really sitting mood. Right. Anyway, I, I now can't stop thinking about a German Shepherd like Johnson from Peach. Yeah, exactly. Little briefcase. It's really taking the sting out of the story. Um, as we got closer. As we got closer, suddenly Robin stopped midway and started whining. The whine slowly turned to growls and the hair on his neck raised up in reaction to what we assumed to be another dog. But this was very unusual for Robin because if it was another dog, he would have chased at it, with my uncle and I hanging onto the leash for dear life. But Robin did nothing of the sort. He just stood, hair on end, and growled at the bust or something behind it. My uncle thought that he'd have a look at what was there, but as he started to move forward, Robin blocked his path and whined, looking at him. It was a clear indication that Robin didn't want us going anywhere near the bust. He started to pull on his leash in the opposite direction. Since we were pretty shaken up by his reaction, we promptly followed him home. Okay, so I've heard a few stories like that, dogs reacting or animals reacting strangely to what seems to be nothing. Um... But there's more from the same building. So part two, we used to love listening to all these ghost stories. Some of them were quite scary and some of them were just weird. I don't have the time to tell all of them right now, so I'll just pick the best of the lot. Uh, This was one my uncle experienced while he was working late one night. He had to sit up quite late in the office sometimes since he was the principal. This incident happened a few years ago. I think it was 2011. One day when I was at his place, he came home around 10.30pm and looked quite shaken. My aunt was worried that he was working himself too hard to solve a legal problem that the college had gotten into in the past month or so. She seated my uncle down at the table, and he was still pale, and gave him a glass of water. We were quite scared ourselves, because we hadn't seen our uncle in quite this sort of state before. He went on to tell us this. He had been sitting in his office working on some documents around 10pm, and he had a security guard outside the office who had promptly dozed off. The officer had a swinging half-door like the ones you see in saloons in American Western movies. While he was working, he had an eerie feeling that he was being watched. He looked up and nothing was odd. Yet suddenly, he saw one half of the swinging door being pushed open, but nothing was pushing it. It remained open for about, well to him, what seemed like an eternity. He panicked and called for the security guard who had dozed off, but luckily awoke and saw nothing at the door, but the door being pushed wide open. My uncle noticed that despite it being summer, the room had suddenly gone freezing cold. A few seconds later, the door closed on its own, and my uncle, definitely shaken up by the incident, returned home. None of us could explain what must have been opening the door. Now my uncle describes this ghost of the founder as a very positive entity. The way he puts it was, the ghost would make itself seen to prominent members of staff whenever the college was going through a crisis. 
There were four colleges in the campus and the headmasters of all four of these colleges note to have seen either a ghostly apparition or had such unexplained phenomena happen to them. However, once this would happen, the crisis that the college was in would suddenly be solved within a few days and all would be well. There was some comfort in knowing that the founder was still very fond of the college and would always look to do good for it. Um, I've, I didn't realize I've chosen like the longest one here. Like when I was like, Oh, you go and then I'll go. I'm still, <laughs> there's still a part three to this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, that's a bit creepy. Just like the door being held in place, mm. like half open and then it's suddenly going cold and then, and closing. But the fact that it was open for a prolonged period is very odd. Yeah. Yeah. That is a bit strange. And again, when it's, when it's like an adult that you trust, um, yes, it, it seems to be weirder, doesn't it? precisely it's i think that's the thing when it's an adult reacting like that you it is scarier yeah definitely Uh, so i'll tell the final college story um so that was my uncle's experience now coming back to my own once when i went to stay with my uncle they arranged for me to sleep in the house opposite theirs by opposite i mean across the corridor the room i used to sleep in was at the end of quite a long passage and into a corner from which you would be able to see a particular part of the college and a window Now, I had a number of strange occurrences in that room. For one, I would never be able to sleep well there. I would either have difficulty falling asleep, waking up in the middle of the night, having this feeling I was being watched, or basically stayed up all night for reasons I've never figured out. This would never happen to me in any other rooms in either that house or my uncle's place across the corridor. I would sleep like a baby in all other places but that particular room. Now, one day, I decided to test my theory of the weird room. I asked my uncle if I could borrow Robin, the dog... Uh, to sleep in the room with me. I remember reading that dogs could detect abnormalities and the paranormal and all that. My uncle not only agreed to let Robin in, he said he would join me. Uh, We had a few drinks that night and fell asleep somewhere around midnight, I think. We were both woken up in the middle of the night to see Robin standing on his hind legs with his front legs at the windowsill. He was growling at someone or something, which was probably outside the window. Slowly, we opened the blinds and Robin's hair on the back of his neck had stood up again. He growled viciously at nothing that we could see. And then he moved his head from left to right as if looking at someone or something which was walking from left to right outside our window. He was still growling viciously at that something, but there was nothing there. My uncle and I went outside to the garden to investigate and beyond into the parking lot, and there was still nothing there. The next day, my uncle went on an investigation spree, and the results he found were nothing short of terrifying. Apparently, a guy, I think a construction worker, working in the college building construction site way back in the 1930s had committed suicide by hanging himself outside the window on the college building, which was in plain sight from the window of the room. Um, that we, what we could not understand, however, was why Robin acted as if he saw someone walking outside the window from left to right. Nevertheless, the revelation of the suicide had scared us, and to my delight, I was no longer asked to sleep in that room. Hmm... My initial thought of that with the dog, like, I don't know why the dog was looking from left to right when he was, I'd heard that he had committed suicide. I don't know if it was by hanging, because I was like, was he, look- yeah. was he looking at a body swinging from left to right? Yeah, that's what I thought as well, weirdly. <laughs> that's creepy. Just don't get a dog. That's the lesson from all this. I think maybe Robin just doesn't like the college. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't like the college either. Um, so should we go back to Joe, then come back and tell um, his final stories? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind. Cool. Let me just refresh myself of what the... Well, this is the uh, one that Tiss liked. This is oh, the, this is the, the, the Ferdyman. Les Ferdyman. So we'll, we'll play that now. So if I think about some other things, um, I mean, most other things are, are quite small. Apart from um, 
maybe to do with my daughter, my eldest daughter. So she's 22 now, um, but before she started school. So she would have been three, four years old. So she started saying some really strange things. And I remember my husband's mum being there for one of them. And she came up to, to both of us and started talking about Ferdyman. And we were like, well, who's Ferdyman? And she said to us, oh, um, he's a man and he's got dogs and he walks through the walls. Um, and I talked to him on my phone and she had one of those plasticky toy phones. And she was like, here, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him now. And, um, and she went over to, to her nan, um, and asked her to have her mobile phone. And so, um, my husband's mum gave her the phone and she was there calling him, Ferdy man, Ferdy man, Ferdy man. And she got really distressed because he wouldn't answer her. And she's like, he's not talking to me. He's not talking to me. And, um, and both me and my husband's mum both looked at each other and, um, and, and I just said, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's because it's not your phone. It's because it's Nanny's phone. And, um, he can only talk to you on your toy phone. At which point she was fine and just went off to, you know, play or something. Um, but after that, both my husband's mum and I just looked at each other and were like, oh my God, what was that? <laughs> um, but the other thing that she did say at the time was she talked about her other family. And she said yes about her other family and her other grandma. Um, and we don't use the term grandma in our house, it's nanny. Um, it's always nanny. So there's there's nanny A, who's my mum, and nanny G, who who is my husband's mum. So grandma's not a term we would use in the house. But, but yeah, that was pretty freaky. And shortly after here, we, we moved house. And this was just before my eldest started school. Um, and so we, we moved into a brand new property. Um, and, and again, my eldest daughter would talk about things. She'd talk about her wind. And it's like, well, what's that? And, and she said to me, wow, you know, she goes, I can see it, but you can't. And it's here right now, circling up above. And she'd pointed to the ceiling. I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> um, and she said, sometimes it does things, it moves things and knocks things over. And you think it's me, but it's not. And it's, and of course, kids make up things and, you know, kids are great at, at, you know, their imaginations, as we all know. But it's just something about the way she said it, um, which, which was a little bit odd. And during this time as well, um, I remember her calling me mummy, 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 mummy. Um, and so I ran up to her because she sounded a little bit distressed. And I said, what, what's up? And she said, mummy, mummy, someone's calling my name, but there's no one there. Um, which really freaked me out. Um, um, and again, I just did my best to, to just sort of like, um, yeah, just say it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, and just sort of like not dismiss it, but just not tell her she wasn't telling the truth, but and just sort of go, sort of go along with it without freaking herself or myself out. Um, and my daughter knows about these things. So I've told her about them now she's older. Um, 
and she can't remember any of it. She can't remember Thirty Man. Um, she can't remember the toy phone. Um, she can't remember her other family or, or her wind or this episode with her saying that she can hear someone calling her name. And she's quite disappointed at that, actually, because she really likes the paranormal stuff too. So, yeah, that's um, to do with my, my, my eldest daughter. I've got a younger daughter as well, and she's, she's, she's not ever said any of these things. So it's just my eldest one. So, Tiss, you didn't like the Ferdy Man? Yeah, Ferdy Man was well freaky. Um, trying to remember it now. So the phone, it was the toy phone. Oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Speaks mm. to Ferdy Man on the phone. What else? What was the other details? It was getting... I like... Oh, go on. Sorry, I just like... The, um, I thought I wrote... I actually wrote um, good bullshitting about it being the wrong phone. <laughs> that, um, that's great that's great parent bullshitting just well, it's the wrong phone that's why he can't talk to him and she was like oh okay yeah it's so good kids are great for stuff like that you just just come up with something and they're usually just all right with it yeah that's great the thing is when kids say something strange it is creepy yeah um i know my sister was terrible for that my sister was a creepy kid she used to say i got two sisters one of them was creepy she would say weird creepy things yeah, well, they both. It didn't help that they both looked like the girls from The Shining <laughs> when they were when they were younger, yeah. and they they don't anymore because they're now like adults. <laughs> but, yeah. but the last time I saw them, they were like, I don't know, like eight or something. Yeah, and... now they're like fully fledged adults with jobs, yeah, and exactly. lives, and I'm like, oh man, I'm so we've, old. Yeah, with better careers than me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. Yeah, sorry, Tiss, so you weren't keen on this. Why were why were you not so keen on it? As in like what was it that you didn't like? Scared me. What, yeah. What the Ferdy man? The, yeah, was it the kid talking the kid saying weird stuff? It's an evocative name. I love I love the story, yeah. It was just really scary. Yeah. It was the, the yeah, it was just fucking Yeah, I don't know. It was very relatable. The Ferdy man feels like uh like a creepy pastor or something, doesn't it? Like a Slender Man, the Ferdy Ferdy Man. Man. Yeah. that sort of thing. It's it just, sounds like something It's just real. one of the weird, some of the weird shit the kids come up with, but definitely very, very interesting to uh, take to it. I, I can't remember. There was a detail to it that I can't quite remember that was really freaky. Wasn't it something about it goes through the woods at night or something? I don't remember going um, through the woods. I don't remember that. No, I think you might be mixed. Oh, you might be mixed up with some else i'm trying to think what if there's any other stories that are coming up that involve the woods the ferdy man was like it would call on the phone and she would talk to it on the phone on a toy phone yeah, yeah. um and then she talked about having another family that yeah. no one could see um she talked about the, a wind that would follow her around like above her that's it yeah. um and something about uh like her name being called and there was no one there just creepy kid stuff. Do you know what I find fascinating about children, though, is um, particularly at the age... So she said her daughter was about four at the mm. time that she this was all happening. Um, and, like, all the time, Joel has these... Like, kids' imaginations are so vivid and so wild and so constant 
it's almost like like he gets annoyed with me when I'm not playing a game properly because he just expects that your imagination is also going to be just as yeah. mental. Yeah. So it's really I find it really interesting watching kids talk to each other at that age and watching them play together because they just get it. You know, so mm, interesting. Like and so Joel was Joel came back today and said that he's um at school today they were playing Mario. And right. his friend was Mario, he's Luigi, and they've got uh, one of the girls in his class is Princess Peach, and he needs to go and rescue her from um, Bowser. And I'm just like, Joel doesn't really know anything about Mario. Um, and it's really funny, because he was talking to me and Rachel as if we didn't know. He's like, yeah, so Mario's the red one, and Luigi's <laughs> the green one, and I'm Luigi normally, uh, so I'm green. And it's uh, so it's quite funny, but it just... Like I'd love to what like watch them play because it's just I find it's just fascinating and then he gets so angry when me and Rachel just don't get it or he's talking about something and we're like what are you talking about? Um, so I guess yeah I can relate to it because just I kind of like laughed listening to the story because just mm. I, I can imagine it I can imagine yeah, yeah. her daughter saying stuff like that. Um, let's. I've got a real short clip from Joe now, just about the big cat. Like, this was in amongst some stuff that I cut as well, but I wanted to keep this for a reason. So we'll just quickly play this and we'll come back to it. Mm. I've had an encounter of seeing a big black cat, um, which I believe I've seen a couple of times. Um, and I know people around where I live um, who hunt, um, and they swear they've seen a big black cat as well. They're not people, um, you know, who, who make up stuff. And they they know they know game, they know deer and foxes and badgers and and you know if they say they saw something then I believe them. So this is think of that as like a little tease for a weird tale or something to do with weird tales that's coming up about big cats. Right. What do you think about big cats being sighted around the UK? Yeah, we did talk about it a while ago, didn't we? Wasn't it like around Leicester or somewhere there was this? It big... happens all the time. There's yeah, big cats. Like a, like a big panther. Yeah. And um, you know what? I'll just spoil it now. Um, Weird Tales listeners, me and my brother are going to do an investigation into the big cats of the UK because we're spending Christmas in Exmoor where the most famous of the UK beasts are the Exmoor beast, um, the real big black cat. So we're going to go out around Exmoor and look for the Exmoor beast in some of its notorious spots and, and tell you a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, big cats. Exciting. Yeah. That's going to be, we're going to record it at Christmas. So you'll get it as a little post Christmas bonus mini episode. I did enjoy that story because, um, yeah, like you say, this is such a familiar cryptid. Yeah. Or not even cryptid. It's just very UK based, the big black cat. Yeah. Um, but you'd imagine if it, if it like existed, a big, black especially if it was like a panther or something that's going to do some damage isn't it mm-hmm. you'd think especially around the uk it's quite limited you know you'd be able to do a search and, and pretty much nail it quite quickly yeah it's not like sasquatch where you've got just you know thousands of miles to cover um so that's but yeah i liked that that was interesting and again um adults when adults are all like yeah i've seen that mm-hmm. that's interesting so I'm going to make an executive decision here. We've got shitloads of stories, way enough for another episode. Tis is Jaws killing him. 
Yeah. Um, we'll come back to Mahir's final two stories next time when we do the other stories. We'll round up this episode now with Joe's final clips and um, then we'll call it a night. Yeah, sounds good. Because we're running up on we've, time now. We've done about, I, I make it that we've probably been recording like uh, for a proper episode for about an hour and five minutes. Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, with Joe's so. clips, it's going to be like an hour and a half. So yeah, exactly. We'll um, so we'll, we'll carry on. We'll do these last two clips from Joe then. So um, the next one, I think Tis mentioned this earlier, was about meditation. Yeah. So let's play. Well, let's play that now, and then we'll talk about it. The only other thing that would possibly be of interest, um, but then again, it might not, would be when I was again fifteen. So this period in my life was very active for, for different things. Um, so I started meditating when I was about 14 and I was meditating and in my mind, um, it just all went black and it was like being in the universe and with lots of stars. And then it was like, do you know, like in, in Star Trek where you get warp speed and, you know, sort of like the, all the stars elongate, like you're going at, at, at super fast speed. And it was like that. And then in an instant, I felt like I knew absolutely everything. Just, I just knew everything. And as quickly as I knew everything, it, it was gone again. And, and I was back just to being me. But it was, it was really awesome. I got no other way to describe it. And I didn't care that I didn't have that knowledge that I did have in that nanosecond or what, whatever time period it was. Because I knew that it happened to me. I knew that I had experienced that. And and also having that much knowledge would, you know, well, it's probably not a wise thing for a mere human to have. Um, but it did happen. And it sort of gives me comfort in in difficult times that, that yeah, that that happened to me. Uh, I wrote in my note here, uh, this is one for Tiss. Yeah. I thought this next one, I thought the first one felt like a Tiss thing and the final one was more like a beef thing but we'll we'll come to this so Tiss I know you meditate a lot so I didn't know if you could relate to this having this sort of feeling um so remind me of this one again I I feel like I I heard it but she said she meditates a lot and one yeah. time she was meditating and she felt like she was as a teenager and her brain like completely opened up it felt like and she felt like all the knowledge in the universe went into her and she like understood everything for a brief time and even though she couldn't remember it afterwards she was like remembers that feeling yeah yeah of being like opened that's yeah that's wicked um i don't i don't meditate at all at the moment but i'd like to but i know it's something you have done it's something i have done yeah and uh never never got to that level but that's uh That's one of those amazing experiences where I think it just all syncs up, doesn't it? I don't think it's something you can train for. I think it's something, it's like a gift, isn't it? That just happens. The perfect a bit like, mix. Yeah, a bit like that out-of-body experience we talked about earlier. I can almost, I can always imagine it. Like, and I can almost imagine from the way it was described, that feeling of what it feels like almost, even though I've never had it. Yeah. But I remember on early Weird Tales, I used to talk about like, I could feel like I would like, I went through this phase where I would feel like my brain was leaving my body. Mm. Um, I to- I can't remember, I talked about it on a really early episode where like I could 
focus on something and my brain I don't know if that was me accidentally doing like a form of meditation like my it would almost be like I don't know what would happen if I really let go here because it was almost like I was that almost felt like an out-of-body experience um so yeah I don't mm. I don't know maybe that's why I can relate to the feeling because it felt almost like I was on the verge of something similar and it kept happening to me and I would stop myself from letting it happen because I was scared I was like what if this is me dying if I let go on like what if it's just my spot my soul leaving me or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's scary to let go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we've got one final one from Joe as well. Um, we'll play that now. And the only other one that, which is similar to that, and and I can't remember the details, and I don't know if it was a dream or I was in that state between dreaming and waking, you know, because I, I just can't remember. And I was older at this time, so my I, I'd had... I'd, I'd had my eldest daughter, but not my youngest. So I must have been in sort of like my sort of like early mid twenties and everything was blue, like a, a beautiful warm blue color. Um, not quite as, you know, sort of like, yeah, just like a, a really warm blue color. And, and I felt so peaceful. It was so blissful being in this color and, and I couldn't see anything apart from this blue color. And I just heard this voice saying, you know, come, come with us and, and, you know, it will be peaceful. Everything will be fine and you'll, you'll have eternal peace. And I felt so drawn to going to this voice and that thought of just being in bliss. And it was, it was such a blissful feeling. And I felt myself drifting towards this voice and this, this feeling of, of just complete peace and, then I remembered that I was a mum and just like that I was I don't know what happened I woke up or or I was um you know jolted from from this state and it was like no because if if I'd gone towards that voice then then that would have been the end of this earthly life for me and you know I can't really give you any much more information on that because it was an experience but um but, you know, it wasn't a dream. It wasn't a dream, but I don't know what it was. Um, I wasn't meditating at the time. But, yeah, it was just it was just really odd. Um, and that was the one about... Um, in She said it felt like a dream or she didn't know if it was a dream or she was, like, half asleep. She was, like, laying in bed and she was suddenly engulfed in, like, a blue, peaceful feeling, like a light that she could go towards and she chose against it. Yes. I wonder what yeah, you thought yeah. of this, Beef, because it felt vaguely spiritual. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. I wasn't really sure what I made of it, to be honest. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I I know of people that have had visions or what they would describe as a vision, mm-hmm. but nothing, nothing really. I mean, that was like borderline near death experience. Um, but yeah. there wasn't anything that had happened. It wasn't like a car crash or no any reason why she'd be dying. So, um, yeah, I'm like really puzzled by that. Um, sounds really strange. It was almost like having a, a taste of the experience, and that she was convinced that she would die if she, if she carried on. Maybe it was what I was saying before. Maybe she was worried that if she let go and went with it, it would kill her. Like letting go would kill you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's really strange. Because she said like she went away from it because she was like, no, I'm a mother now, so I have to go back and look after my kid or something. Yeah, but very odd. Yeah, I don't know. Really odd. Really odd and unexplainable. 
But uh, yeah, Joe, thanks so much for sending all your stories over. I uh, really appreciate mm. it. They're really interesting. Um, and I enjoyed hearing your stories like from you, um, which was great. And listeners, if you want to do that, like email me and, and send me a recording of your stories. It's great. It's nice to hear people actually telling their stories themselves. Um, yeah. So definitely, if you've got a story to tell and want to do it that way, let me know because I really enjoyed listening through Joe's stories and I hope you did as well. Um, and thanks to everyone else whose stories we got around to this time. Um, Jardin, Samantha Seda, Forrest Levan, and uh, Mahir. We've got a few from Mahir we'll talk about on the next series. We'll do another listener stories. And I've got loads more to get through. So And keep them coming because these are really fun to go through. And we've got some crackers in amongst these. Absolutely. Yeah. It was fun. It's always good to read them. Um, yeah, like because you can imagine them being spoken and some of them are so well written as well yeah yeah uh, it's like reading through a short story it's great yeah it's really fun and mm. I just like hearing like see and tell us where you're from I like knowing where in the world these stories are being told from uh, but if you do want to send your story or get in contact or say hi or anything the email address is wtatupod that's wtatupod at gmail.com or you can contact through the website, which is weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com. There's a contact button on there. On that website, you can also find links to all the other things online. You can buy merch. You can find us on social media. You can support us monetarily. Um, you can do all that stuff. Uh, you can leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. That helps. And the most helpful thing you can do for a podcast is tell your friends about it if you think they'll like it. Recommend an episode from the start with. Um, if you want to contact me personally you can also go to uh, bobshoy.com that's b-o-b-s-h-o-y.com and uh, that's the home of the Bob Shoy podcast network which this is a part of you can see other stuff I work on there and support my time researching and editing for those on Patreon there as well so uh, we really appreciate all that stuff guys really quickly uh, we'll make this a real quick fire one question of the week which we don't have a jingle for yet so give me some sort of jingle now question of the week <laughs> Excellent, that's better than I could have imagined. I'm going to do something with that. Question of the week. So, super quick one. This is from Jeff, Jeff Armstrong, uh, regular contactee mm. of the pod, contactor mm-hmm. of the pod. Guys, um, got any favourite video games? All time, all time greats for you. Shenmue. All time greats. Shenmue. Did, did, did you just say Shenmue? Yeah. Well, earlier on, Becca said, I bet Tiss says Shenmue. Of course. 100%. Of course. I've got to say Shenmue. It's my favourite. Is it the best ever made? Probably not. No, but it's like, I know my favourites aren't the best ever made either, but it's like what you like, isn't it? Yeah. What has a nostalgic... Normally, nostalgia plays into it as well. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Also, I'm like, if I overthink it, I'm thinking too hard. I was like, what's the first place my brain went to? So you were like Shenmue, like that. Mm. For me, um, the ones that my brain went to straight away, um, I love old LucasArts adventure games, and I particularly love, controversially, the third Monkey Island game, the one that not everyone loves, but Curse of Monkey Island is a real favourite for mine, and I've played through that game countless times. When I was a kid, I would just say, or a teenager, I would say, okay, I'm going to play that this afternoon, almost like watching a movie I love. Like, I, I know I can play for it start to finish, like, I know all the answers to every puzzle, everything, but I just loved the art and the story of it. So Curse of Monkey Island's a real favourite of mine. Um, and Silent Hill 2, because when it came out, it was just, um, and still is, like unrivaled in um, its metaphor and storytelling and all that stuff. It's, it's great, and it's genuinely scary. Mm. 
Um, I I don't know really. Um, probably. I guess. I yeah. So I guess I I like the Naughty Dog games. Mm-hmm. Um, like me and my brother were reminiscing about Crash Bandicoot, and I remember playing that as like a ten-year-old and just it blowing my mind mm-hmm. that there was you know I'd never played a game like that before, and I suppose much much more recently, Last of Us Part One. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think for the storytelling and the character, um, the characters, the voice acting, um, you know, gameplay, it's just like a really well-rounded game. So yeah, really enjoyed, really enjoyed it. And it's the, I've probably, I've probably played through it maybe three or four times. Mm. Uh, maybe more than that, actually. And each time it's not, you know, it, it's still really playable. Um, I think anyway. Well, it's like you say, if you like the storyline, it's like I said about Monkey Island, it's like, oh, it's like watching a film you love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the detail as well. There's lots of detail in these games. When uh, Becca asked what the episode was about, I said we're doing listener stories. Uh, we just got a question of the week, which is about video games. And she said, I bet yours is Monkey Island 3, I bet Beef's is Last of Us, and I bet Tiss's is Shenmue. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so predictable. I tell, tell her she got three for three on that. So predictable. That's amazing. Yeah, I should have I should have annoyed her and been like Golden I, li- I literally or, can't sorry. think of any other game that I would put in that tier. No, I don't think I I liked the game as much as that. The the first two that came into my mind were Curse of Monkey Island and Silent Hill Two. But I also like, like I love the LucasArts games. I love Grim Fandango. I love um I love the Wind Waker. I love Legend of Zelda. But I love the Wind Waker. I love the anything that's got an interesting art style will, will drag me in. So mm. yeah, but I could talk about games forever. I mean, I could do a video game podcast if I had enough time, but. But anyway, that's really boring video game talk. Or maybe I'll leave it in after the credits. I don't know. People don't want to listen to that on the Listener Stories episode. They want ghost stories and stuff. Yeah. I'm not even um, listening anymore. No, even Beef's checked out. So, right. Um, everyone, thanks for listening. Guys, have you got a pun? Uh, listener Story. No. See you later. <laughs> oh, we, can't, no, we can't drop out on the puns on like two episodes when they've been brought back. Um, I really should think of them when I'm putting the episode together. I should think of it in advance. I just don't think they exist. You don't think puns exist? <laughs> <laughs> Give me an example of pun. Some new conspiracy theory. No, but for some reason, like I can think of puns quite often. Yeah, but for some reason, this point, I freeze up. I just can't. I cannot. And that's when we end up end up saying stupid stuff like, "Until next time, spook you later. Bye bye, love you last. Bye bye." It's just <laughs> until next time. Here we go. Until Thing next is- time, and get, until next time, go stick. <laughs> A review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> what? A sticker review? Ghost sticker review on iTunes. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I've just realised the pun. They were barely oh, even ghost stories this week. It was like a bag. A review on our iTunes. That's bad, isn't it? That's really bad. No, don't. Right. Yeah, we're not. That's, we can't that's use as that. good as we're going to get. Okay, we're going to use it. Brilliant. Yeah, that's it. Love you lots. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love you. See you later. Love bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.
Do you like the ghost ghost of Sue dude thing? Ghost, the what? The ghost of... I don't know what the name is. The ghost of something. It's like a samurai game. Oh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, that's it. Tsushima. I haven't played it yet. Apparently, it's really good. Pa- yeah, I've seen. I've seen it's it. A, it's like what I've, I wasn't that interested because I was like, oh, it looks like Assassin's Creed. And then when I saw the art, I was like, oh, it looks kind of cool actually. And now someone said to me recently, like, it's a bit like The Witcher, but like Samurai The Witcher. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I will try it out on my PS5. Yeah, because they've just released so, the PS5 version of it. The, so ob- the objectives show you where to go by blowing the leaves and the direction. Yeah. that you need to be going. It's a really cool idea. Um, mm. my friend had a PS5. So I don't, I, do you have to have PS5 for it, or can you play no, it? No, it came out on PS4, but they've just redone like a, a souped-up version. Just come out like the PS5 version of it. Yeah, um, so I might pick that what, up now. It's on what PS5. have you got at the moment? PS5. You got you got a PS. Fuck yeah! I forgot you got a PS5. I yeah. keep forgetting that shit. Oh yeah, god oh, yeah. damn! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been looking at getting an Xbox Series S. Or series I'm, gonna get, X I'm probably going to get the Xbox as well because there's they because they've got the Bethesda license, haven't they? Yeah. So this is like the first gen. I'm like I'm probably going to get both. Is it, because... is it worth getting the S or is it just worth waiting for the X? I'm going. I'm going. I almost got the S because the S is available. I almost bought one this week and I was like, fuck it, I'll wait for the X because I want the disc drive, and I want and I've got a 4K telly. The S isn't in 4K. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's yeah. That's what you're paying. It's a lot more money, but it's like. 4k and it has a disc drive i'm like that's worth the extra money to me but like my brother's just gonna get the s because he's like oh, i just download all my games anyway i don't care ha- yeah i mean i download my games i download all my games right. but the 4k thing is a pretty big deal it makes a difference if you've got the, the tv that's capable of it it does make a difference i guess it depends on what games are actually putting out 4k does it matter well does it does the game does the console kind of format any game to be a bit better or does it have to be a game that's been formatted to 4k hmm, it's interesting yeah i don't know let us on a postcard uh listeners console wars yeah but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm team xbox this time bethesda for sure I do think, I'll be honest, I do think the Xbox seems to have the better internal stuff. I love the PS5. It's a brilliant system. Like, I think it's way better than the PS4. I use it all the fucking time. I I actually use it as a media center, which I never use the PS4 for. Like, everything I run through my PS5, like, all all the apps and everything, and Netflix and everything's all through PS5 now. It's so juicy, though, isn't it? Like, electrically, or is it not? Oh, is it? I, I don't, don't know. I don't, I don't know. know I've heard I've heard rumors that it's like really fucking juicy and loud and big, but I don't. It's know. quiet. It's really big, but it's big. It's quiet because it's so big. It has the room to cool, like the PS4 didn't. Right. Yeah. My so PS4 was really so quiet. fucking loud. Oh my god. They're so loud. Jesus. Yeah. Um. I think it's. I think the PS5 is a brilliant console. I do think it's better than the PS4, but I do think that Series X is looking like in the future it's gonna be the better one. Well, I mean, that's whenever they get stock of them again, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. I, uh, anyway. I, I'm really interested in the pay monthly, though. £25 a month, and you get Game Pass for two years. Yeah, Game Pass is amazing. And you, you get... That's the other thing. You basically has. pay your console off monthly for two years, mm. rather than out shelling out on, like, 500 quid plus Game right. Pass. Have you seen the Steam Deck as well? Yes, that looks Fuck crazy. Me. <laughs> oh my god. That looks mental. It looks almost yeah. too good to be true. 
You can't get them though. The, the pre-orders are like, yeah, if you get a pre-order now, you'll get it like end of next year or some shit. They're crazy. Like, wow. They do look fucking sick. So, Is it, isn't the price the point like three hundred pound as well? It's reasonable. They're 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 selling them at a loss. They said. They said we had to make it reasonable, and it's kind of been painful to price it that low. But you know how Steam will make they make so much on games. If they can get them in people's hands, they'll make the money back. Of course, it's well, yeah. So, you're you're tied to that platform, and Steam is yeah. a great platform. I mean, Steam yeah. summers when they do the sales. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, if I have a Steam Deck, like, games are basically free. Because I yeah. don't play on my PC, even though I've got loads of games on it, because I sit here for studies, I sit here for um, editing, I don't want to also sit here for games. But if I have a Steam Deck, I can use all the my Steam games, not on my laptop. Amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It seems, yeah, it's nuts. But, yeah, as you said, good luck finding one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Apart from yeah, one at eBay exactly. for, like, two grand or something. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.